I pray, Lord Jesus, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. I apologize that my notes are not as orderly as those presented by Pastor Vic. But then you expect that from Pastor Vic being a, a chief. And uh, I'm just an ordinary guy, so I hope you can read them. I hope it'll be a means of blessing to you. I want us to look at Psalm 1. There is a uniqueness about Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. And the uniqueness is this, they have no title. And so normally when you read the psalm, it says, you know, a psalm of David, or a psalm given to Asaph, the musician of, of David. But Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 do not have a title. And it is suggested that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are not songs to be sung, but they are preference to the song book. That Psalm 1 happens to be that of a, a a warning and a challenge. Psalm 2 is a prophetic entreaty to let people know that God is God. God is in control. And so Psalm 1 has to do with our conduct. Psalm 2 has to do with our confidence in the arena of God. And so I want to talk a little tonight about Psalm 1. The opening words go something like this. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in due season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. There are three main things documented in these three opening verses. The first one is this, the blessed man or the blessed person evades the slippery paths of life. Mark that. The blessed person evades the slippery paths of life. Number two, the blessed person embraces the sacred principles of life. And number three, the blessed person enjoys the spiritual privileges of life. And so, now you've got the headings, we can go home. 
That didn't take long, did it? I think we better wait to see how big the offering was before I let you out. I want to communicate something from this segment with us tonight. Initially, in reading these three verses, the way that I've analyzed them, it would seem as though this ought to be given to young people, to a young generation, because the first is certainly very apropos for young people. Blessed people evade the slippery paths of life. And it's a challenge to them. But it's more than that. Because it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, we are all prone to get on the wrong path. That we are all tempted to step. In fact, you have to ask the question, why would anyone in their right mind get on the wrong path? That slippery road that just goes down and down and down and down. Why would anybody want to do that? You tell me. Give me some reason why people. Yeah, somebody else. You need to speak up this matter, Deef. Uh huh. Someone else. Sure. What about peer pressure? Do you think peer pressure has a tendency to get you to step on the wrong path? What about disillusionment? Disappointed. Things didn't turn out the way that uh, they thought they'd turn out. Therefore, I'm going to try something else. One of the major challenges facing America today is the disillusionment of young men who want to try something else. They're disillusioned with society, they're disillusioned with what they are, they're disillusioned with what they have, they're disillusioned with what they see around them, and they're determined to try something else. And many of them turn to radical Islam. But let's look at the path, shall we? What is the path that we're supposed to evade, the slippery path that we're supposed to evade. Well, first of all, in looking at the evasion of the slippery path, it seems to me that there are three things. The scripture says, blessed is the one 
And that word blessed means a variety of things in, in various contexts. It can literally mean happy, or it can mean blessed, or it can mean favored. So it's a, it's a significant term. It's a practical term. It's not just philosophical. It simply means that if you do certain things, you will be blessed. If you do not do those certain things, or if you do the opposite, well, then you'll suffer the consequences. And so, look at the path with me. First of all, the blessed person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. As I was thinking about this today, sitting at uh, that little computer thing, I began to think of a blessed person is the individual who is not unduly influenced by society. Whether that society happens to be the news, whether it happens to be Twitter, whatever that is, whether it happens to be social media, the blessed person is not unduly influenced by society. The Hebrew word, saw, which is translated counsel, literally means to swallow or to embrace advice. Doesn't say whether it's good advice or bad advice. It's just swallowing hook, line, and sinker that which people say. Because of social media today, it is easy to be deceived. You hear things said on, uh, on electronic accounts and some say, wow, look at that. And if you go back, you find that the whole thing is a hoax. Blessed people are careful to what they hear and are careful to what they heed. Blessed people are wise in the way they discern the input into their mind. The Hebrew term, rasha, which is translated ungodly, is a very, very interesting term. It simply means people who have no principle. Now, do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that? People who have no principles whatsoever. What they're engaged in, what they're doing, you know what's wrong, they know what's wrong, but it doesn't matter to them. And so the first warning for people who are on the slippery path is paying attention to unprincipled people. Be careful what you listen to and be careful what you believe. There have been many, many people who have found themselves slipping down the slippery path 
or sliding down the slippery path simply because they did not have discernment to determine that which is right and that which is wrong, that which is true and that which is false. And so the psalmist, whoever he or she happens to be, speaking to people and warn them, those on the slippery path, simply says, be careful how you, how much you allow society to influence you. So what's society saying to us today? Well, it seems to me that the side is always is saying these kind of things. If it feels good, it has to be okay. If it feels good, it can't be bad. And so the argument goes, change the rules, change the norms, change the principles. And if, and if it's, well, no, I don't do that, well, they came up with the backup line, but everybody's doing it. Well, that's not true because you're not doing it. But the fact that they say everybody's doing it is a pressure tactic to make you think, well, I'm missing out on something. I better get on this gravy train. I'm a slippery path. Because that way, then I'll be chic. I'll be like everybody else. I'm going to enjoy life. It becomes society keeps on every 10 years determining and making a new norm. Now, I'm an old man. I've lived in the United States for almost 40 years. And in those 40 years, I watched America establish a new series of norms. That 40 years ago, that which is acceptable, not just acceptable, that which is embraced and celebrated today, you wouldn't even think of it 40 years ago. For society has the propensity to lower the standard and in lowering the standard, expect you to follow suit. Do not step on the slippery slope. Be careful what you listen to and what you share, what you embrace. And do not allow society to unduly influence you. And so, in looking at that opening statement, in Psalm 1. What is the principle? The principle is this. Just because society is promoting it does not make it right. It doesn't matter how many people are doing it. Does not make it right. You need to evaluate what is being said, what is being expected of you, and what they challenge you to do by another standard, not by the standard set by society. 
I saw the slippery path moves from listening or being influenced, as we said, by society. It goes to the blessed person is the one who does not identify with sin. Blessed is a man who does not stand in the path of sinners. The Hebrew word, derak, translated path, literally refers to a course of life. If you push it a little, it simply means to a habit. It's the habit of life. Be careful when you watch people that you do not fall into the same habit as they have fallen into. Now that doesn't mean anything to any of us, does it? We don't do anybody with bad habits. Ooh, you're looking at one. The challenge is on this slippery path. Do not be, do not allow yourself to be unduly influenced by society. And secondly, do not identify with sin. Just because society has lowered the standard and produced a new norm does not mean it's good for you. It's one thing to listen to bad advice. You are sliding down the path when you begin to accept that advice, particularly in view of wanting to do it. There are some things which we know are wrong. They've always been wrong. They always will be wrong, simply because they violate the expression of God's word. But just because of peer pressure, it's easy to capitulate or succumb and some say, oh, well, it can't be all that bad. Blessed is the person who does not identify himself or herself with sin. And the Hebrew word, translated sinners, underscores a deliberate intent to do that which is not right. I put it in a latest form just for emphasis. It's a deliberate intent to do that which is wrong. There is such a thing in, in psychological terms in which the world loves to shock decent people. We're seeing this in the political arena from terrorism and from terrorists. They are shocking. Now many of them believe that what they're doing is right and just and holy from their God. But others are simply doing it because they are brazen enough to want to shock others. And this is why I thought initially I ought to say this to young people. Because young people want to see how close they can get to the line. Without stepping over it, 
and having the wrath of mom or dad come down upon them. But who's afraid of the wrath of mom and dad? When he thinks that we have a bigger dad who's holy, we sang about it tonight, who's just, who's righteous in all his ways. And so, what is the principle? The principle is this. Do not allow yourself to be branded by the company you keep. Oh, I like that. Do not allow yourself to be branded by the company you keep. My dear grandmother, may she rest in peace, loved to say, birds of a feather. She'd say, eat together. <laughs> and I said, grandma, that, that, that's, that's not uh, the way the, the proverb goes. She said, you'll catch all one of these days. Well, I haven't yet. Birds of a feather hang out together. Whether you may not be involved in the act, the fact that you're there, you become an accessory or accomplice to the act. When you get on the slippery slope, which is going downward, be careful to the voices you listen to and be careful of the company that you keep. While I was talking with um, the little Bible study we have on a Tuesday morning, we were speaking of, uh, of voices. And I couldn't help but think of Samuel, which underscored the principle of, of listening how to evaluate what you hear. You know, Samuel was a godly young man. There he was in his bedroom, and he hears a voice and say, Shmuel? He said, uh-huh. So he goes to Eli. He said, what do you want? You call me. Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, you're dreaming. That's my translation, okay? Not, not, not messing the book. He goes back to bed and hears the voice again. Samuel! Yes, he jumps up, goes to Eli. Eli, what you want? I didn't call you. He says, yes, you did call me. <laughs> and then Eli... Seems to look, if it happens again, seems to say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. When listening to advice, first of all, consider the sound. Does it sound right? Because you hear stuff and you know very well, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't gel with my spirit. Check the sound. Then, secondly, check 
the substance. What are they saying? Because people can speak to you and you might not understand a word they say, but you know there's something wrong with their spirit. There's something wrong with coming out that you're catching the vibe from their spirit. The sound. The substance. What they're saying. Then the third part is, remember the source. If it comes from the Lord, you can bank on it. If it comes from Jesus, you can rest assured that's wonderful, it's proper, and it's good for me. But I, I need you to hurry on. And so the slippery path moves from listening to or standing with. And now you, the guys are a long way down the path because the blessed person is the one who will not integrate with scoffers. He refuses to be identified with that negative spirit. It's an indication of someone who has become embittered. And the last thing that you need to be around is bitter people. Bitterness is the root. The tree is huge and produces all kinds of diabolical fruit. The last thing you need to, to be around or hang around is bitter people. And the way to allow bitterness to evaporate is to allow the fresh waters of the Holy Spirit, of the love of Jesus, of the peace of God to flow in and out. And that way, you'll find that grace replaces that arena of bitterness. The Hebrew root translated stand literally means that you are confirming, you are supporting, you are standing with them. You have allied, aligned yourself and become their ally. The little word for translated scoffers indicate one who has no alternative than to mock or ridicule or bring down. Sarcasm is a, an incredibly effective tool. The way you say things, you can cut people down just like that. That was one of my weaknesses. Thank God that as I've gotten older, my mouth is not as quick to catch up with what my mind is saying, and so I'm not able to, to say it anymore. I happened to be at a pastor's conference in Maprik, Papua New Guinea. The person who was head of that 
larger assembly guard compound was my uncle. And he had two sons who were working with him, though they were on different areas of, uh, of, that, of the Sepik River section of, uh, of Maprik. And I was speaking, and the younger, my younger, the younger of the two boys, probably my cousin, for some reason, he began to take umbrage and began to say some things about me. Saying, of course, in jest, saying, of course, in humor, saying, okay, with a smile on his face and eyes that are flashing, but oh, you was cutting me the quick. Do you know, do you know what I mean to say, cutting me the quick? He pierced my soul. I had listened to him for a couple of days. I hadn't said anything to anyone. And then he got me. He said something. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. It was the dawning of the tribulation period. It began to rise like bile out of my gut. Pardon the expression. And it came to my mouth and I shut my mouth. I could have cut him down to size. I could have shattered that kid. And he needed to be shattered. <laughs> but I didn't say a word. At the end of that session, I went back to the, the hut where I was staying. And I was feeling pleased myself. Well done, Des. You kept your mouth shut. Well done, Des. Lord, you must be proud of this young guy. I kept my mouth shut. And I had the right to, to go after him because he'd be going after me. And after all, he is family. And so I began to rejoice before the Lord at the goodness of his servant Des. <laughs> Lord, you must be proud of me. The Lord whispered into my heart. I didn't hear what you said with your mouth, but I heard what you thought with your heart. And what, you, what I heard from your heart resonated more powerfully than what you would have said with your mouth. Because what resonated in your heart has to do with the spirit. I went from there to I got off the chair, I fell on my knees, and I couldn't get low enough. I lay flat before the Lord and said, God, be merciful to me.
be merciful to me. You see, unwittingly, I was imbibing of that spirit. Oh, a few days later, at the conference came to the end and I was going to fly back to the other side of the island into the Indonesian side of New Guinea. I was at the airport there, at least a little uh, airstrip waiting for Missionary Aviation Fellowship to come in to take me to WeWAC. And my cousin was there. And he came to me with tears. He said, Des, please forgive me. So what for? He said, because of what I said. He said, I must be honest with you. He said, I was jealous. I wanted to be the speaker, not you. I said, you could have been the speaker with, with pleasure. And he said, I allowed bitterness to rise in my heart. And because bitterness rose in my heart, I became a scoffer. He said, will you forgive me? I said, before I forgive you, and he thought, okay, now what I'm going to say, said, I need you to forgive me. He said, what do I, what do you need forgiveness for? I said, because I was about to cut you down. But I kept my mouth shut. But the Lord told me, that that in my heart resonated louder than that which would have come out of my mouth. So I'm sorry. We hugged, we embraced, he said, Des, don't leave. Stay around another couple of days. We can always bring MAF in on another time. He said, no, I need to go. Be careful. When you're, getting, when you're receiving advice, be careful. The company you keep, and be careful with the spirit that you associate yourself with. That's the slippery path. Blessed people evade the slippery path of life. Now let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here this evening that uh, you've been tempted recently to step on the slippery path? Don't raise your hand. Don't even nod your head. Psalm 1 is a word of warning it's also a word of encouragement. You do not have to step on the slippery path. But if you do step on the slippery path, be prepared to slide. And it will be a lot more difficult to get off the path than it is to get on it. Because once you begin to float, slide downwards, it becomes extremely difficult to stop.
I need to hurry because that has meant anything to you as yet. So let me come to the second idea. Not only the blessed person evades the slippery paths of life, but the blessed person embraces the sacred principles of life. The psalmist simply says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The blessed person who refuses to step on the slippery path simply because of the embracing of the principles that God has given to the church, he will exhibit a new desire. We used to sing a song in the good old days. I delight in you, my Lord and King. I delight in your presence, O Lord. There was one thing I loved about the charismatic movement. People loved reading the word. In fact, it is so revolutionary. It was breaking the legalistic bonds of the religious organization that day. In fact, you could, it was often said, you could tell a charismatic lady by the following. Number one, she's wearing a pantsuit. <laughs> because people, ladies didn't wear pantsuits in those days. They had to wear dresses. And so they were wearing a pantsuit. Number two, they were carrying a big old bag over their shoulder. And inside that bag was one of the tape recorders, you know. They didn't have those cute little things then. It was big old things. And they carried the tape recorders everywhere they went to record what they were hearing. And number three, they had bags underneath their eyes. Because they were up all night listening to tapes. <laughs> they had a desire to know the word. Because from their perspective, in knowing the written word, it gave them by the power of the Holy Spirit to get to know the living word. And they wanted to know the living word. They loved Jesus. And so it was a joy. You know that in Canada. Everywhere they went, people, they asked the question, what's the Lord saying to you? Now, if you ask people that today, they look you, you know, like a, a calf looking at a new gate, huh? <laughs> what do you mean, what's the Lord saying to you? I didn't know the Lord was talking anymore. I thought all he did was give us a book. And then some say, okay, here's my book. I'm not going to say another word for the next 2,000 years. The Lord is communicating to his people. He wants to talk with you. He wants to talk with me. And the blessed person is the one who embraces the principles 
of life. And this is exhibited by a brand new desire. Now, we have a problem. Because we live in the post-charismatic renewal. And in the charismatic renewal, they, they took umbrage with the term law. They said that we're not under law, we're under grace. And we say we don't have to keep the law because we got grace. That's not what Paul is teaching. In fact, I had a very close friend who used to bring this up on a regular basis, and I'd simply say to him, okay, tell me, which of the laws am I allowed to, uh, to break? Murder? I said, because there are times when you so, so provoke me, I want to kill you. He said, no, you're not allowed to murder. So I said, that's, that's one of the laws. The law has not been put aside. But the purpose for the law, it's a protective mechanism, not the means to redemption. We are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, but that does not give me the right to live a licentious lifestyle. And the blessed person lives according to the principles of the book. In fact, it is interesting the way that this is written in the text because the text simply says the law of the Lord but Yahweh the law of the Lord the sages want to differentiate the difference between the law of the Lord and the law of Moses The law of the Lord is all-encompassing. It involves the act of creation, the principles of the universe, both that which is animate and inanimate, both that which has life and that which does not have life, but it has the ability to sustain life. The laws of the Lord encompasses all that. The laws of Moses are specific to conduct. Paul, writing in his brilliant thesis to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 1, simply speaks of, they have seen the excellence of the Lord because they see him in the laws of creation. It's the laws of the Lord. We not only recognize the laws of the Lord, we live by the laws of Moses. Not for salvation, but because we've been saved. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says we are saved by grace, not by law. What for? 
unto good works. We put into practice the disposition and the heart of the Lord. Am I boring you? No. Are you sure? The law of the Lord as distinct from the law of Moses. The word Torah is based from the ancient root which translates or means to flow like water. The law of Moses flows like water. It refreshes. It reinforces, it cleanses, it renews. And so whenever you have any question or any doubt, ask yourself the question, does this please the Lord? Yes or no? If it doesn't please the Lord, abandon it. But not only does he speak of having a new desire, it speaks of having a new devotion. And he meditates in the word of the Lord day and night. That doesn't mean to say that he's become a monk or a nun. But it does mean this, that the word of the Lord is never far from the surface factors of your mind. While you may be preoccupied with what you're doing in a practical arena, at this particular moment, the word of the Lord is never far below the surface. That should anything come up, the word of the Lord interjects. As uh, we were reminded at the beginning of the service tonight, our pastor spoke on being well. There are times in life when the enemy floats in and if the word of the Lord is just beneath the surface of your conscious mind, every time he comes in, it's counteracted by it is written. The Lord said, the Lord decrees. This is what the Lord desires. This is what the Lord wants. This is what the Lord expects. And he meditates on this term. Meditate. How can I describe the term meditate without boring you? Have you ever seen a cow chewing the cud? What is it doing? It chews, and just before it swallows it, brings it back up, chews some more. Just before it swallows it, brings it back up, chews it some more. Just before it swallows it, bring, chews it some more. I had a dear friend. He acted like a cow when eating apple pie. His daughter, his wife, and his mother-in-law 
could have eaten the whole pie by the time he's halfway through his slice. His daughter was saying, Oh, Dad, hurry up! Oh, he said, it's too good to swallow. <laughs> too good to swallow. I'm letting go of the taste buds of my mouth. Chewing the cud. That's what meditation is. Allowing it to come back across your mind. What did you say again? Allowing it to come back across your mind. Thy word renews me. Thy word cleanses me. Thy word encourages me. Thy word. I was having coffee at, uh, at Starbucks. And uh, there were a couple of lovebirds sitting at another table. I don't know what he said, but she asked him to say it again. I wish I'd heard what he'd said. <laughs> she said, you can say that again. And she had that look in her eyes, you know, that glazed look, uh, which is bordering upon uh, insanity. You know? <laughs> she, she had that glazed look in her eyes. Say it again, say it again. <laughs> I speak as a fool. It is time for us to tell the Lord, please, Lord, say it again. In times of distress, please, Lord, say it again. In times of failure, Please, Lord, say it again. I love you, my child. Please, Lord, say it again. Just whisper that. Just don't come on. What the Lord's been saying to you, just tell him. Please, Lord, say it again. Come on, just say it again. Please, Lord, say it again. I want to be reminded. Because I want to be renewed. I want to be refreshed. I need clothes. I'm sorry that uh, I bored you tonight. Pastor Vic was supposed to speak, but uh, they had a, a backup to speak for him. The blessed man. The blessed man evade the slippery paths of life. The blessed person embraces the principles of life. The blessed man enjoys the privileges of life. Listen to what he says. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in due season. His leaf shall not wither. That means like he did. I'm not going to say it. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. The blessed person is one who is planted. 
tree. And the Hebrew text always speaks of firmness, security, strength. It's fixed. It's not like a bush. It's not like a reed which is easily blown over. But it speaks of trees. It speaks of firmness. But he uses a strange term when he simply says that planted because the Hebrew root shafal, which is translated planted, literally means replanted. I like that. I once was living in the slough, but I've been transplanted. I'm no longer where I used to be because I'm no longer what I used to be. Before I was a reed, now I become a tree. Before I was living in dry places, desolate, no hope, but I got transplanted by the waters of new life. That's a good word. That's what Christianity is all about. He transplanted us. And not only has he transplanted us, he transfused us with his love and with his life. We've been taken from the place of insecurity and planted in the place of refreshment. Finally, the blessed person is not only one who is planted, but is one who is productive. The word simply says, he shall bring forth its fruit in its season. Trees which are transplanted by the Lord, they are not for decoration. Hallelujah. No, I like, I like decorative trees. We've got one in our, right outside our, our kitchen window. What's it called, hen? Rose of Sharon. It's a, a big bush. It will be filled with flowers for all, all through summer. And uh, the flowers are such, it attracts hummingbirds and butterflies. And so we look out the window and on a regular basis when it comes to the end of May when the, the hummingbirds migrate back north, we'll see hummingbirds on a regular basis outside our, our kitchen window. Now that is an exception to the rule. Trees are not normally known to be used for just decorative purposes. It can be used to provide shade, but basically trees are to provide fruit. And so let me be kind 
on Saturday night. You're not supposed to look like a log when it comes to church. <laughs> not supposed to act like a stick. Let's see if you can move me, brother. <laughs> I don't care how many hymns you sing. Let's see if you can move me. I don't care how many times you take up an offering. Let's see if you can move me. We're not called upon to be sticks. We're called upon to be trees. Transplanted by the Lord to bring forth fruit. But there is a hint given in this verse. One which we oftentimes overlook. It brings forth its fruit. In due season. Tran the transplanted trees understand the seasons of life. Ooh. Don't look for apples on an apple tree in December. They're not there. Although my mother did that for me once. I was brought up in an extremely difficult, impoverished area. Added to that, it was the, the depression. And so we didn't think we were poor because everybody was like us. We just thought that, you know, you're like everybody else. There weren't any wealthy people around. Nobody drove a car. Nobody had a car. We walked everywhere, went by bus. And so this Christmas Eve, we're having evening prayers. And so it came my turn to pray. And uh, I simply prayed something like this. It was the devil in me. Lord, I don't want toys for Christmas. You can almost hear my mom and dad saying, thank God. I said, well, Lord, I tell you what I do want. I want apples on my apple tree. I heard my mother suck in air. If my hair had not been fastened to my skull, she would have swallowed my wig. She said, what? I said, I am not talking to you. I'm praying to the Lord. I want apples on my apple tree. No, you can't have apples on an apple tree. It's not the right seasoning. Next morning, about 8.30, as the sun would begin to rise, because the sun rises later in the northern uh, sphere. I looked, appeared to the wind, and there were apples on my apple tree. Now don't jump to conclusions. One was green, one was red, one was a brownish russet. There were three or four apples on my apple tree. Mother had been up sewing threads of cotton through the apples to hang them on the tree. 
I was so thrilled to think the Lord had answered my prayer. Then I realized the Lord hadn't answered my prayer. It was the love of a mother who had answered my prayer. We go through seasons of life. Blessed people learn to recognize the seasons of life. And not only to recognize them, but to embrace them in the grace of God. And so the psalmist says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree transplanted by the channels of water that bring forth his fruit in due season. That's what the Lord wants of us. Good night. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>